Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Chandler Vanoy. Hey, hey. Uh, and we have two uh, really special guests that are going to offer a very unique perspective uh, on basically that today's topic is Easter's over. Now what? Um, the king is still on his throne, it, the same as he was yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, but what does church look like after Easter? Most of us were, were really running toward, uh, are we, first of all, are we going to have an Easter service? And then second of all, once we get through Easter, now it's a reset of our brain because we spent so much adrenaline getting here. Uh, now what does normal church look like? How do I follow up with some of these visitors that, that came online? How do I, how do I even measure um, what effectiveness and success looks like during this time? So I have uh, two guests today to, to talk about that. The first is a uh, a practitioner in church. It's a larger church and they've had um, some real success recently. I'll let him talk about that, but I have Jason Powell, who's the online pastor for Harvest. Uh, and you may know Greg Laurie, and you may know also um, Harvest from the aspect of they do uh, larger stadium events and uh, all kinds of things, but they are hard pressed to deliver the gospel pretty much anytime you see them online almost. Uh, so I love those guys have, have uh, worked with Jason in the past, have worked with Harvest in the past. Uh, and then we have Neil Smith, uh, who works for Dunham and Company, and he works with uh, nonprofits. He works with large churches. Uh, he has a black hand in the social marketing space. And I say that in a good way. A very good way, meaning um, this is a guy who knows, you guys know I'm a nerd, here's a fellow nerd, and God we trust, everyone else must bring data. He is my brother in that. We have spent um, days wandering in foreign lands, which we will not mention so that we can go back to those foreign lands, um, but have really enjoyed getting to know him. And he is, uh, he is coming from the aspect of, he works with a lot of organizations that do uh, digital evangelism and digital, um, I don't know, discipleship development of people. So we've had real conversations about uh, discipleship online and what that looks like and can you really do that and uh, all kinds of really in-depth conversations. And so I knew that I needed to bring him in. He also is currently um, residing in New York City with his family. Um, so we, he's got yet another perspective that, that we want to get into. So, uh, without further ado, Chandler, um, let's get started and we'll see where this conversation, uh, takes us. But today we're really talking on uh, about like, what does church look like right now for the next month or so? And then, um, we don't know how long this is going to last and we don't know if there's a second wave and, we're really talking about how this affects the church both today and tomorrow in the future. So I'm going to stop talking now so we can <laughs> let our guests talk. Well, Jason and Nils, thank you guys for joining us today. And just as Todd was saying, you guys have such a unique perspective on this. So just to get started, just as Todd was saying, Easter's behind us now. And I know as a lot of, I was kind of looking on social media and a lot of people were saying they were tuning into multiple Easter services to see what everybody was doing. So we'd love to just first hear what your all's Easter services look like, where you are in your context, and then we can kind of move from there. 
I'll, I'll jump in first. We go to Hillsong Church here in New York City. And um, and so this this Sunday was unique for us in that at 9 a.m. We, we all got dressed up in our Easter clothes and we sat down on our couch and we went to church. Uh, and so it was definitely abnormal for us. And then right after church, our connect group got together and we zoomed together where all of them were dressed up in their Easter best. And so we had, a, we had a little small group after church and, uh, yeah, that was, that was church for us, uh, this, this past Sunday. That's awesome. Jason, what about you? Hey, that's pretty awesome, man. Well, you know, my responsibilities, you know, I'm the one putting on church. And so, you know, my perspective's a little different, but I'm telling you, our, our church service was like the, the rest of the nation. You know, what we did was we, uh, we didn't go to our building, you know, we went to a camera and, you know, I just want to praise God for technology for a moment, you know, like, man, never in history would I have imagined you know, that we'd be in this type of day and age where we're utilizing technology uh, for not only just community, but the advancement of the gospel, uh, like never before. You know, I, I work under Pastor Greg Laurie, and we've really leaned hard into this this place. And and God has really given us favor, you know, like honestly. And Pastor Greg is a gifted evangelist. And so our goal has been let's bring the gospel to every home. And so we call it Harvest at Home. And uh, it's, you know, just your, your classic online service. And so we, you know, started at 4 a.m. in the morning on the Pacific Coast. And we ended it last night at 10 p.m. <laughs> it was a long day. I was at every service. And um but, but I want to tell you, God's faithful. You know, he, he really is. And as we just look back, you know, numbers aren't everything, but, you know, they, they do hint at something. You know, we had over a million people yesterday that joined us live online and 7,000 commitments to Jesus Christ. And why I think the numbers are important would be that second number, the 7,000. I think America is hungry for the gospel. I think this is a perfect time right now to to really advance the kingdom of God using technology like never before. And so we're praising God for yesterday, you know, and last week we had a big help, by the way, just real quick. Uh, we had the president shoot out a tweet uh, supporting our church, which is like random. We were shocked. Like the president just shot out a tweet to support our church. And, and of course our numbers skyrocketed and, and uh, we saw so many people the past five weeks. Uh, we've seen 28,000 people, uh, commit their lives to follow Jesus Christ through our online church alone, which is, <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane. And talk a little bit about, um, okay. So, so first of all, I want to, uh, I, I want to provide commentary. So when I think of this, I think about the printing press and just the printing press just changed everything. It changed society. It changed socioeconomics. You saw a big flippening happen there. You saw um, governments being toppled, you know, all these things. But the big thing that you saw is a massive growth in the gospel. The same printing press, the exact same printing press, in fact, that was used to print indulgences could now uh, print Bibles. And so it's fascinating to think of this could be a, an amazing opportunity, a wake up call for churches to become more savvy at using uh, digital means of reaching people because this is where people are. I mean, you know, statistically everybody wakes up each morning and looks at their phone and everybody goes to sleep, uh, right before they go to sleep, they, they look at their phone statistically. So it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing opportunity, but the real question is how do churches take those numbers? And we'll talk about numbers a little bit later because 
you know, I got fellow nerds here uh, to talk about, hey, what does streams mean versus views versus this, that, like, what should we be measuring at this time? It's easy to measure butts and seats of the church, but how do I measure attendance now? How do I make sure I don't give a false positive? Um, but before we get there, I do want to ask how, Jason, how are you guys following up with those people? Um, and, and what does that look like? How are you making high tech, high touch? I like that high tech, high touch. Well, thankfully, Harvest Christian Fellowship is known for crusade evangelism. You know, Pastor Greg Laurie was kind of like the, the our generation, Billy Graham. And so because this is his gift set and his calling for 30 years, we've done large scale evangelism. So seeing large amounts of people will come to faith is not necessarily something new to our ministry. Um, this is just a new way that we're doing it. This is a new branch of the Harvest Outreach. And so we're using the exact same follow-up we've used for 30 years uh, in, in our crusade ministry, where if someone, you know, in this opportunity clicks a banner and says, I would like to pray to receive Christ, when they fill out their information, we uh, get their information, we immediately mail them a Bible. And so we always give these new believers a Bible. Pastor Greg has written a new believer's Bible. And so we, we mail them a Bible. We've also gotten a few different aspects in there. We've got something called correspondence. These are mail-in Bible studies that happen back and forth. We're leading them through almost like a discipleship Bible understanding. And so we've got, you know, live, real people that are uh, mailing back and forth. And we give them an envelope with a, a stamp on it. And so this is a, a very classic way that we've done it. But then we've also around the world, we've partnered with other ministries to uh, make multiple touches, whether it's email, text message, um, and we'll call every single person that has made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. We'll call them for the first three weeks and we'll talk to them on the phone and we'll give them encouragement. And so we've got a, a very rigorous follow-up process that we've developed for 30 years to make sure that nobody falls between the cracks. Um, you know, we, we don't believe in just making converts. We believe in making disciples. And so we're, we do to the best of our ability um, you know, to make that happen. Good deal. So Nils, how have you seen, uh, how have you seen churches and missions organizations do this effectively? And, you know, because you're exposed to places that, um, people can't go to church any Sunday because if they do, they're dead. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so talk to us a little bit about that. Like, what can we learn from our brothers and sisters in Christ who can't go to church any Sunday?
I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, at first, when, you know, this COVID-19 thing hit, we thought, let's provide content. People can go to Netflix. They can go to Amazon Prime. Why shouldn't they come to our site and just watch a bunch of stuff? But then we realized, you know, what are we doing? Are we really reaching our people? And so administratively, you know, we decided we are going to get contact information from all of our members. Um, but it's given us opportunity to make better relationships. Uh, despite what we're seeing around us. And so we're calling, we're having these Zoom meetings, what you just mentioned, we're having small groups, uh, you know, and so Pastor Greg Laurie's even popping in those small groups and joining, you know, some of our 50 different small groups we have. And there's there's more, but these are Zoom meetings with like, you know, 100 people in them. And it's been, it's all about relationship. And, and it's all about those personal touches as, as much as possible. And um, truly, I, I think we, we've realized We've not valued those phone calls um, like we should have. I think this is actually teaching us a lesson as a church. We're going to kill, still call people. We're still going to uh, get involved in people's life in this personal way. And so we're actually thankful, you know, to be honest, uh, that it's caused us to really dive in deep and, and make sure that we're, we're knowing our, our, our people. We're letting them know that we love them and that we've got a lot for them. We're here to serve them. You know, be thankful. I agree with you, Niels. Great point. Well, it's, it's helpful to hear to go back to the basics, right? <laughs> to make sure you're staying connected, to go back to the basics of making sure community actually is happening, not just people attending and leaving, but community is actually happening. So definitely kind of an interesting concept that we almost have to move away from what we're doing to be reminded of that. And now churches are wrestling with, and just as Todd was talking about mm. earlier, they're now wrestling with what does this look like after Easter? We were kind of running towards, that was almost the finish line. Now we've ran through it. And now mm -hmm. we're running a, we're running a race without a finish line ahead, and we're trying to figure out what what is next. So, what do you, and this is this is speculation, and this is more of kind of what you guys are seeing. But what would you say church is going to look like post Easter twenty twenty COVID nineteen season? What is what is church going to look like, and maybe even what, what's your all? What are you guys seeing in trends? But you know, I. I think that it's, it won't look the same anytime soon. And, and the reality, I'm being in New York city, it's especially going to move slower here hmm. uh, in, in maybe more rural context. Uh, but, but the reality is, is even when people go back, I mean, I, I think about Broadway here, Broadway has never been shut down for more than 48 hours. It's been shut down now for a month. Um, now people are going to be anxious going to a Broadway show sitting next to people. I heard Mark Cuban talk about basketball games that people are going to be anxious going into an arena. And, and I think church services are going to be very similar that people need to be and, and I'm a digital guy, but, but I miss hugs. I miss handshakes. I miss <laughs> being face to face uh, and worshiping in a room with other people. Um, but, but I think simultaneously I'm going to think twice next time I go uh, to any kind of gathering more than, 20 or 30 people. And, and so I think we've got to, we've got to be realistic and understanding that there's going to be an anxiety uh, with physical gatherings. So that's going to look different. Um, I think, I think everything is going to be changed. The, the, the jobs, the workplace, you know, businesses that won't ever go back into business. And, and what, what does that look like for our congregations and how we pastor and shepherd through those things. And so we, I think we have no idea, you know, I just listened to our, our mayor earlier this morning here in New York and we, we don't know 
you know, really what the future holds. I think we have predictions, but, but this is not something any of us would have predicted where we would be. Uh, and I've been an online guy for a long time and I've wanted churches to get online. This is the last reason I would have wanted for churches to dig into the internet. But so that said, I think leaning into the internet and the churches that are leaning in right now, I think many of them are going to be double the size uh, when people start gathering physically because they leaned in during this season. Um, I, I think many churches are going to be dead at the end of this uh, because they had no idea what to do in this season. Uh, I think there's a lot of churches going to be dead because they didn't even have online giving set up uh, and they, they didn't even have a way for people to 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 give to their local church. And so it's, uh, it, it, it's going to be different. Uh, I think we don't know where, where this ends up. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, I think we see, I believe that the churches that lean in right now are going to see long-term fruits. And I think the churches that lean in are going to learn how to engage uh, culture in, in a new way that's going to carry on well beyond this. And I think it's going to be, our churches are not going to be an internet campus and a physical campus. It's going to be, we just do church online and in person, you know, and, and it looks different. And I think we'll, we'll begin to see online just integrate into our lives in a more tangible way. I think workplaces are going to be that way. And I think church is going to be that way as well. It is fascinating to think about, uh, you know, we we both get to work with churches of all different sizes, shapes. And my dad, similarly, is in a similar size church as your dad's church. My, my dad's church is probably 100, 120 people. Um, and just watching him shift toward, I mean, he's midweek service online. <laughs> You're just like, all right, we're having prayer meeting online, but it's not the... Oh, it's not the kind of prayer meeting that the big churches are doing. Uh, it is, it's prayer meeting. And so honestly, and I've said this on the podcast already uh, a little bit, but I don't know that mm-hmm. they are as affected because everybody knows every, everyone already. Um, and, you know, we have a, we have a, a team member who um, we were just talking this morning about, you know, different churches yeah. and giving because I've heard of, from a few people, Hey, my church is up or my church is even or up uh, on giving. And of course that is a, is a concern, especially the the larger the church and larger number of staff, larger the debt is, you know, all, all those things. Um, so it will be very, it will be very interesting to see um, what, what happens moving forward. And, you know, I'm one, to think that, um, you know, this is God's church and it's his, and it's been his, uh, all along. And man, he, this was not, it may have caught us completely by surprise, but it didn't him. And it's still his church. And, uh, as, as pastors, we have a charge to keep and a bride to take care of and get ready. And, um, man, you know, I think as long as we're faithful to that end, then there are going to be some amazing stories that come out of this that, you know, years from now or 10 years from now, there's going to be churches and ministries and, and, and people uh, that come to know Christ during this. It's just going to be an amazing story. So I don't want to be overly optimistic about it um, because I know that, you know, Nils, I agree with Nils. There will be some churches that don't, that don't make it through it. Um, and I've even had conversations with guys with, you know, large multi-site um, campuses. And it's just like, hey, what do we, you know, can you help us process? 
um, where do we go from here? And it, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. And I know I didn't say anything other than point out some things and say it's going to be interesting. So one, okay. We are a multi-site church, you know, we've got six different multi-sites. And so that definitely has caused, you know, um, hardship and financially we are down, you know, this is a difficult time. My, my father-in-law is a church in LA. We're just outside of LA and uh, his church is, is doing okay. You know, they're about 2000 or so in size, um, but they're, they're down in giving as well. But I just want to point out, Todd, you said something that I love. This is God's church. And if we could just take for a moment and just look at church history, this actually isn't new for the church. The church was born out of hardship. You know, I think of Paul, the apostle, you know, yeah. Philippians 1 12, I'll read it to you. Very impressive to me. I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul was in the Philippine jail and he's in isolation and he goes, Hey, I thought it was going to end here. But <laughs> crazy enough, you know, like uh, this has served to advance the gospel. And I think all along the way, we look at Rome burning. I think it was bittersweet to watch Rome burn, you know, in, in the first century type, but out of it came a healthy church. And, and I, I think God is, is strengthening his bride. He's reaching more people. There is a sense of scare um, that is driving people to the gospel. We're seeing in our chat rooms, floods of people really questioning life. What is it about? And, and death is, you know, it's reality. And, and God is no doubt using these things to strengthen his church and to reach the lost. And Nils, I, I like what you said. There'll be some churches that absolutely grow because they are leaning into technology and community. And there'll be some that die off. But ultimately the church, big C, I think will, will grow like never before. Um, you know, it's happened under persecution. It's happened under hardship. It's happened with other plagues and other viruses. This is no different. And so I'm, I'm confident God will use us as a light in this dark time. And, and I, I want the pastor to be encouraged, honestly, that, that, that God has got their back, you know, like God cares more for your church than you do. Um, and that, that, that takes a big burden off my shoulder. You know, it really does that, that, okay, God, you know, you, you care and you're here and, and Lord, help me, help me not be so restricted in my theology that I, I can't embrace this new way um, to, to reach new people, you know? And I, and I think that might be the biggest thing. It, not, it might not be technology problems. It might be theology problems, to be honest with you. Um, people are like, no, oh, this is the only way to do church. It's not theology. So, say that again. It's not the theology. I don't want anybody to loosen their orthodoxy. I do not want them to sacrifice the essentials of church on the altar of tradition. Agree. Um, or the altar of past dependence. The essentials of church are still essential. We just have to figure out how to do them in the current context in a way that honors and, and pleases God, you know? And, and the verse I keep going to is Second um, Timothy 1, 7, where it's, we've not been given the spirit of fear, um, but one of mm. power of love and sound judgment. And so I think as a leader, I need to think of, I am I, like, I'm going to go ahead and claim those. I'm Baptist, but I'm going to claim them and say, Hey, I, I need the power of the Holy spirit to be working and active and realize it's not just in my church building where that can happen. He can touch the hearts of those people 
wherever he wants. He's not locked into my building. Amen. The church is, is his people and the people that he's given me is, is his church that I'm, I'm called to lead. And then uh, love, I'm both to love the people in my congregation well, and then love the community well through this. And, and I'm just seeing, you know, uh, churches like Harvest, churches like uh, Mariners that's down the road, just mm-hmm. watching what they're doing for the medical professionals in their community, the the poor in their community, the sick in their community, and just saying, wow, mm-hmm. this is amazing. And then that third piece is sound judgment. We are called as leaders to exercise sound judgment. And that's going to come from, you know, how we budget, what we, what ministries we do deem essential and saying, okay, if there's ever a time uh, now to retake a look at what we're doing, how we're doing it, and how resources are allocated, it is at this sure. moment. Um, and, and so I, I think it's a, it is a special time in history and churches that do walk through that little framework that's outlined in that scripture to say, hey, I can let fear paralyze mm-hmm. me or I can have sound judgment on the end of this through um, the power and and love and of course everybody knows it was the next piece so I'm obsessed with the with the sound judgment piece like don't let this make be a time of indecision mm. you think you might make a wrong decision guess what you're going to make a wrong decision <laughs> but make a decision and lead your church through it and then adjust mm. accordingly so Sorry. good so good free. so no that was that was also good and a great reminder and um, I think it does take a weight off of our shoulders, especially if you're sitting there and you're listening to this, watching this, and you're like, what are we going to do? And, and it's just a great reminder that it's truly out of your control. And, and it's been out of our control the whole time, but now it's more than ever. We realize it, that people are not in front of us. They're in their, their homes. And it's now, do we trust God to still build his church as we should? It's a well-known fact that planting churches and campuses is the most effective way of reaching the lost. And launching in a rented venue like a school or a theater is one of the most cost-effective ways to launch a new church. So if you're planning to launch a church or a campus and trying to figure out how to do that really well in a rented space, we encourage you to check out our friends at Portable Church. The team at Portable Church Industries takes your vision and creates engaging environments around it that keep volunteer retention high and allow more energy to be spent on ministry. So go to portablechurch.com slash lifeway to learn more and to find free customized resources that teach you how to launch portable and launch strong. So with that, just as we were talking about Easter has come, what's next for the church? There's some people tuning in because they're like, hey, I'm looking for some tools on how we can do online church better. And you, you two are um, awesome in that area. So we just would love to hear from you. Talk to some churches who are trying to figure this out. What are some tools that they can use to better disciple their people online, to, to still gather their people together? What are, what are some tools that you would share with, with those listening and watching? 
I'll, I'll jump in first. I mean, I think the the tool that so many people are aware of is what Life Church put out in the Church Online platform, and that's a free mm-hmm. tool that makes it really easy for churches to to build engagement around their worship gatherings. I think the tool we're using right now, Zoom, is probably the most powerful tool uh, that a church can use, um, and I think it costs something like fifteen dollars a month, and you can have up to like five hundred people in in a Zoom room. For for many churches, that's all you need. You can have all of you. You can have your worship services in in a video conference platform and I'll see each other. And the tool that I I would say churches need to be leaning into more than anything is this little social network called Facebook. Uh, And so (laughs) Facebook has, you know, 3 billion people engaged on it. And uh, and right now people are even more uh, engaged than ever on that platform. And so move into this platform that uh, everyone's already leaning into and, and spending so much time on and, and build community on that platform. I mean, you, you could do everything on Facebook, to be honest. I agree a hundred percent, you know, and I think the the problem some of these pastors are thinking is that we can't afford it. Um, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, three different sized churches, you know, Harvest Christian Fellowship, you know, with Pastor Greg, kind of this global footprint, my father-in-law's church, um, more of a local footprint. And then I'm thinking of a, a church I know, a guy named Russ Harbin in, in Georgia. He's got a, a like a, a neighborhood footprint. Um, and Russ is worried. Hey, how do I afford this? Um, and I said, Hey, do you have an, do you have a phone? Cause we're, we're talking on the phone right now. Yeah. It's got a camera, right? Yeah. Hey, that is enough. It's, <laughs> it's enough actually. And so he just started streaming from his, his iPhone set up on a tripod and he started Facebook, exactly what you mentioned. And so he, he, he utilized Facebook as a Facebook live event and he was blown away. Contact me, said, Jason, you'll never believe this. We had 6,000 people. He's like, we got 60 on a big Sunday. He's like, I had, there was 6,000 people. He's like, how is that even possible? I'm like, you know, it, it's, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And so it, Facebook, utilize it. Facebook live. You know, my father-in-law is using YouTube, YouTube live. We're using currently, you know, um, a, a version of the life church, what you mentioned, the chop. Uh, platform. It's free, you know, utilize this family, like go to it. You can go to church um, online platform and version four. It is amazing. You can give, you can see people respond to the gospel. Um, This is definitely a great resource that you should be using. And lastly, zoom. We've done all of our small groups on zoom and, and I'm just repeating everything you said, Nils, like it's, this is, this is it. This is currently what we're doing. (laughs) You know, what's fascinating for us is, um, you know, of course, different parts of our organization, Lifeway, we do pretty much everything. So from events, of course, events, you, you can't host events, uh, to camp, to, you know, all these things that are coming up that we're like, are we even going to be able to do any of this? Um, you know, and different parts of the business are, are of course, you know, down some percentage points. Um, What's fascinating for me is everybody that listens to podcasts know that that Ministry Grid is our baby and it allows a ton of customization. Well, you're what before this event you would see people utilizing all the existing frameworks that were built out for them to follow because we you know are obsessed with scope and sequence. What you're finding now is a lot of people are just getting it for the customization and they're saying. Oh, you mean I can upload a video for my phone and assign it to groups? I can manage groups. I can, um, you know, distribute uh, my curriculum or PDFs or what, you know, and see where it is and have people interact. Um, so they're 
I'm really glad they're using the tool. Um, I, w I wish, but they're still buying it is the point. And cause they see enough value in it where they're, they're making that um, decision. But what's fascinating to me is just the, the way that it's being used is there's a flipping there. Whereas before people would say they want customization, but they don't actually use it. And now just like in so many other elements of church, this is forcing people to make different, make different decisions. And so, you know, when we look at um, the progression of what is likely to be happening here, um, people were looking for a, a neutralization effect of, hey, how can I do what I used to do mm. um, to, oh, how can I do it in a different way and make it even better than before? Those are the people that I think are going to win the day, not just look for a neutral, a trade-off. I'm not just going to stream my service, but I'm going to move from, I streamed on Easter. Now I am going to take advantage of chop and I'm going to make sure that, sorry, the church online platform that Nils was talking about that live church offers for free. And I'm going to do church in a new way. Now I know Jason actually crashed chop, um, but I don't think that's going to be the problem <laughs> for most churches out there. It won't. Uh, so Jason, I would think you were really good. So, you were really good at utilizing chop prior to having to, to switch. So it may not make, it will make sense to the listeners to know, Hey, this guy was using it. Now he had to move because of some limitations, but how, how do you, how did you use that effectively to kind of raise the game from just, I can move from just streaming to hosting. There's a difference between streaming and hosting. So, but there's got to be a, a motivator, a factor that needs to be considered to why you would move from streaming to hosting. It's because we believe that we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That, that's what a pastor does. We're pushing ministry down. So in light of being stuck at home, people still have gifts. They still need to serve and they still need to be used for the kingdom of God. And so what we're doing, this is why I love CHOP so much, is it creates opportunities for not just the, the pastor and someone behind a camera to use their gifts, but we're providing volunteers opportunity uh, to use their giftings. And so in the CHOP player, this seems like a whole like push for CHOP because it's amazing. Honestly, fundamentally, it is my favorite platform, hands down. They did a phenomenal job with it. Honestly, they did. And I've looked at probably 50 now trying to find something comparable. There isn't one. You know, you can have one-on-one -on -one dialogue. You can have a, an open chat opportunity. So when your stream is going out, we've got volunteers that are in a chat room dialoguing with guests as they come in. People will come in just a few minutes ago. We had an 8 a.m. service that, that started here in California. The very first comment this morning was, I want to die and go to heaven. Comment number one. Like I open the chat room. Okay. I like chat rooms open. Blink. I want to die and go to heaven. We're like, Oh, well, good morning. You know, like here we are. And so uh, I immediately had a vol a, a volunteer jumped in and, and I didn't have to answer it. One of my volunteers, a moderator jumped in, started answering. They pulled them aside. They one-on-one -on -one chat with them and prayed for them. People can request like prayer. Um, but it's there that I'm seeing a community grow of my volunteers and then I'm giving people opportunity to serve. So I just want to say this, let's push ministry down, but still allow people to use their gifts. And as pastors, be creative, you know, be creative, tell people do that. This was our last thing we did and I'll let you take over. Um, 
is we challenged our people to go through all the contacts in their phone. Look at their phone. So everybody's got like a thousand contacts that you forgot about in your phone and literally go through your contacts in your phone. Pray for some of those people. Send text messages, Bible verses to those people and guess, invite those people in your contact list to church, send them a link to your church. And this past weekend, I'm telling you, I personally sent a text message to a guy in Pennsylvania. His name's Dean. He sent me a text message back. If I could put it on the screen, I would. And it says this, Jason, I, I watched the link you sent me. I prayed with Pastor Greg. I got right with Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending it to me. It's like, to, we, we can do this. We can tell our congregation to do this. And, uh, and so I, I think this is a perfect time to do it. Man, such a cool story. Jason and Nils, thank you guys for joining us and thank you for listening or watching however you're tuning in. And if if you found anything helpful in this, we're going to have all of the tools, everything that we discussed in the show notes below so you can check that out. And we we do hope that this has been helpful to help you navigate this COVID-19 season as you're trying to figure out what church looks like in the future. And we do know that Easter's over and we hope that you guys had an awesome time and hope that um, as you move forward, that these tools will be helpful so that you can reach others. So we'll keep trying to share content that is helpful in this season and to help you be able to continue to do the work of the ministry. So we'll see you next time.